life of greatness to me is a life of service. I believe that we're here on this earth to learn and then to share our learnings with others and to be able to help others on their journey. I think that is an important part of creating a life of greatness. I think a life of greatness is also a life filled with love, not fear. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It is your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver. Of course, you can call me Brad. And I'm so excited to be here. I'm always excited. I feel like I say that at the start of every show. But today feels like an incredible privilege for me because I'm sitting across from someone who is what you would call a peer. You know, she's a podcast host. She's within the industry. But she's definitely, for me, like the, the master. You know, she's like the the Misty Miyagi of podcasts in Australia that I feel like, well, the Mrs. Miyagi in this case, that I get to learn from, I get to absorb from. And the beautiful thing is that whilst I get to do all of that throughout the course of today's episode, you as a listener or the viewer do too, because she's an incredible human being with such a powerful story and this ability to teach and cut through that is inspiring. And I just get so much from listening to this lovely human being. And I'm going to give her the introduction she deserves. So she is the creator and host of a podcast called A Life of Greatness and we're going to dive into all of that here today. She's interviewed some of the most amazing people in the world, people who I look up to and aspire to be like and it is my absolute pleasure to introduce from your home, your car or wherever you are, get ready to give a very warm welcome to the one, the only Mrs. Sarah Grinberg. Bless you Bradley. It's such a pleasure to be here. (laughs) We spoke before, I'm like I'm so excited for this because I really want to dive into your story and and hear about how all of this has come together. Amazing. I'm excited as well. So you're so lovely to give me your time. And I guess I want to kick it off from the top. I know you're not a surface level person. You're a deep thinker and a deep conversationalist. And the name of your podcast, A Life of Greatness, I guess we'll kick it off with that. What does a life of greatness mean to you? So a life of greatness to me has changed over the years. And I think probably most people's answer would change as you go through your life. But some of the things that really I think will always stay the same, uh, a life of greatness to me is a life of service. I believe that we're here on this earth to learn and then to share our learnings with others and to be able to help others on their journey. I think that is an important part of creating a life of greatness. I think a life of greatness is also a life filled with love, not fear and about appreciating all the people around you and not taking any day for granted and knowing that life, things can change in an instant in life and, and to be appreciative, appreciative of what we have around us. I mean, to me, really, that is a life of greatness. That's a beautiful way of describing it. And, and I connect with so much of that there. I love what you said about service to others. It's a conversation I just had this morning, actually. I, I tend to talk about purpose a lot and I've been very blessed to have a group of amazing friends in my life who are very open to that conversation because I know for a lot of people that can be it can be daunting it's intimidating to talk about really deep things like purpose because it it makes you get reflective it makes you think about the life that you're living and sometimes that's uncomfortable mm. and you know one thing that I've you know as you I guess can relate to and and really speak on is when you're a podcast host and you get to connect with amazing people when you hear them talk about their purpose and their paths in life or their reasons, their whys, it always comes back to service of others. I think mm. eventually people figure out that you'll always get more fulfillment out of 
doing things that help other people and have a greater impact than you will in selfish endeavors. It's definitely something I've learned over the course of the last two years of my life. And I'm always interested by, you know, for me, I always wanted to help people. I always wanted to have an impact in the world. But I think going on the journey and sort of stepping into fear and having a bit of courage to go after the things I wanted to in life reaffirmed exactly how that looked for me. Yes. You know, I've heard your story and, you know, you went from the, the corporate world producing and, you know, being in that radio space to then coming into podcast, you know, coming into this journey and connecting with people and sharing story. Did that reaffirm what your purpose was and what your why was? Or did you yeah. feel like you had a grip on it beforehand? Well, no, I definitely did not have a grip on it beforehand. And I think, I think for a lot of my life, I didn't even really think about this world because it wasn't there. And I think as a lot of us do, we go through that dark night of the soul to be able to then rise and realize that there's more to life than material items or the superficial, which there's, you know, no problem that people might lead their life with that just till the day that they depart. But at the same time, to be able to be more conscious of everything we do, I feel enables us to be able to live the greatest life. And I think for me, even though from a young age, I was always had an interest in spirituality and uh, the world that we can't see, as well as philosophies on life. I always like things like that and having those deep and meaningful discussions. I wasn't aware that we really had a say in our life and that we could be the creators of our life. I, none of that was on my radar. And then as you mentioned, when I was in a radio role a few many years ago, that was exhausting because it was the breakfast radio role and um, it, it was like early mornings and I had two young kids at the time and uh, it, it broke me really. And it was in that moment that I realized that only I could help myself and only I could get out of this. And it was, I think a lot of the time we, when we go through those dark nights, our ego moves to the side and we want to know that there's more to life than what is around us. And that drove me to then dive into all these self-improvement um, self books, as well as meet a mentor who would guide me on a lot of the spiritual principles. And then one thing I started doing was really embodying what I was learning. So not only was I learning it philosophically, but I was actually doing it in my everyday life. And I understood the power of words and uh, the, our thought patterns and I would start changing my thought patterns and I would be very conscious of the words that I, I was speaking and by doing all of that I noticed that things in my life in a very short period of time started to shift and I found that a really amazing thing because it was like you know the universe or source or whatever you want to call it was giving me instantaneous feedback almost and I realized oh my god like this really works and my life seems more fulfilling. And as I traveled on that path, I started to immerse myself in research around why some people seem to be happier than others. Like why were some people that didn't have material items and didn't have great wealth, some of the happiest people I know, and then some of the biggest entertainers that I would be around were miserable. When you, on, on the surface level, you would think that they had it all. And that got me into studying different philosophers and scientists and doctors and understanding why some people found it easier to be happier than others and what did true happiness mean. And really it came to what I said a life of greatness is, which is about service and um, being connected to 
family and your loved ones and living a life that with intention and consciousness and you know all that kind of thing that was what was making a lot of people happy and I think for me I then had an idea I moved into the podcasting space about uh, a year after I did that breakfast a year from doing the breakfast radio show and I started producing some of the biggest podcasts in Australia and then I had this idea for a life of greatness which was so unbelievably organic. It wasn't something where for two years I was thinking, God, I'm going to do this podcast. It was literally like, hmm, things in my life seem to be really shifting. This information that I'm learning is so unbelievably fascinating. I need to allow others to be able to learn what I have learned so then I can enrich their lives and that's when the service part came into it and I started doing this podcast and it just it just skyrocketed and you know what as well there was not one iota of me that n- thought that it never would like I always knew that the podcast would do well uh, and and it has and it has been such a labor of love for me and then to be able to give that to other people has just been so enriching and then obviously I do a lot of writing and then also uh, keynote speaking and heaps of other different things so it's fulfilled my life in a way that I never thought it would but at the same time you know, from a young age, from when I was about four, I also really liked entertainment and I I wanted to be an actress for many years. And I did entertainment PR when I finished uni and all this other stuff. So I, I think I kind of manifested it without even realizing what that word meant. So I landed where I wanted to be and I always loved 60 Minutes and I was always very interested in conversations with people. So it's almost natural that I got to where I was without even meaning to. I love that. And, you know, I hear something a lot in in the podcast space and it's listen more than you speak. And let me tell you, it's bloody easy when you're the guest because just listening to you talk about these philosophies and ideas and and parts of your journey, it's so nice to listen to. And probably the main thing that stood out to me there, or there were many things, but the one I really want to go to first is you spoke about, you know, learning these things in theory, but then understanding the power of putting it to practice. You also touched on something at, at the beginning of that conversation there where you sp- spoke about like sort of hitting that dark spot of your life and what that teaches you about what you actually want. And I find that, you know, in the areas that we haven't learned the theory yet, it almost takes that rock bottom to teach us what we want and where we don't want to be. But when we're learning the theory and we're putting it into practice, how important is that action to make sure that it actually cements in who we are as human beings and what we want from our life because I feel like often we can sit and listen and hear and and like I said at the start I've been very blessed to learn off some incredible people on the podcast but it often takes going through the struggle of of that action to really cement how that's going to work for you and how that's going to change your direction. Oh absolutely I think you know for example you obviously have cystic fibrosis so assuming that every day for you is a blessing like not that there's anything wrong with you you know it's not like you're leaving us but in the sense of you appreciate it because you have something that doesn't make your health a hundred percent right but it's not till sometimes some of us have that instance or are faced with a diagnosis from a family member or ourselves where we go holy hell life is not forever and even though we know that in theory when we're actually faced with something that shows us that it isn't it's when we our lives are frantically shaken and we have the ability then to make changes do we make them forever after hopefully 
or do we just make them from for that instance and go back you know if things then settle go back to the way that that they were and i feel that hopefully we wouldn't do that and i know for myself when i had that time where you know i was doing the breakfast radio job and actually the story goes where i got the the flu and i was so unwell and i was too scared to not go to the job so i went to the job that day this is pre covid days and um i i and i was sick and i remember just coming home and feeling so overwhelmed and exhausted and thinking there must be more to life than this and in that instance making the move to want to change my life but when i changed it i went all in and like i said i started embodying what i was learning and all that kind of stuff but the thing is i haven't changed since then in the sense of yes sometimes we need to watch our thought patterns more and things will happen and it'll unsettle us but i have gone on the journey to be the best person best possible person that i can be since that occasion and i think it's a big learning for all of us to if we're faced with something that is not ideal and is that you know dark night of a soul or uh, whatever it is to use that as a catapult for change but you know change properly and do it for the better of everyone around you as well as yourself and i think i think that's a really important lesson that that we could all hear you know, I couldn't agree with that more. It's funny what you said there about we recognise these things, we learn them, and sometimes we get comfortable and, like, the challenge or the adversity of the moment isn't present anymore and we kind of fall back into the person we were because I really relate with that. Like, I was probably noticing, you know, like I sort of think, I think we spoke about it pre-ramble before I hit record, and you know, the first 18 years of my life were incredibly healthy. And whilst I was very positive and I felt very blessed for the life I was living – it's easy to do that when there's not actually that much adversity. Like on paper, I had all of these medical conditions and things I was trying to solve, but they weren't actually presenting huge problems. When I turned 18, my first real scare with my health was, you know, coughing up copious amounts of blood and being on my way to emergency thinking I was dying. And, you know, I remember I was speaking about it on stage recently. I was speaking at a pharmaceutical conference and I spoke about that moment and how vividly I can remember that moment. And it's almost imprinted in my brain frame by frame of driving to the hospital and having my old man beside me in the car and thinking, far out, is he going to watch me pass? Is he going to watch me not make it to the hospital? And, you know, how is he going to live with that grief for the rest of his life? I remember calling my mum and my sister who worked at the same place of employment at the time and, and saying, hey, look, I don't know what's happening, but I'm coughing up a lot of blood. You need to meet us at emergency. And in my head trying to process whether I was ever going to see them and and feel connected to them again and in the moment that wakes you up it's like Ugh. dunking your head in a bucket of ice water you know you feel alive and you feel so presently aware of what is important what is not and who you are as a human yeah and you and know, it's sorry it's it's interesting as well like don't you there's a term and I actually forget what it is but it's like that moment is like a snapshot in your mind because there is a psychological term for when something very traumatic happens, we do not forget it. It's the same as something really great happens. You remember exactly where you were, exactly how you felt. It's like you can take in every color that was around you. And what I also find was in is interesting is also, I don't know about for you, but when I've been in a circumstance where I've heard information that really upset me and shook me but this is like you know life-threatening sort of stuff uh you just hear your breath like I remember hearing mm. the sound of my breath and it, it's like every every 
sense that we have is ju was just heightened. I remember in that instance for me, I was looking around and it was like sound was so loud and the colours were so bright and it's like time just stopped and it was like slow motion. The body and the mind does interesting things when it goes into that kind of shock sensation. It, it is so incredible how, how much impact it has on you and how that impact is lasting and, and what you said there about seeing that snapshot so clearly and not leaving your imagination it's you know it's like putting your handprint in soft cement mm. you know and, and hardens and it's there forever you always remember that memory that moment in time and you know and it's very present with you for for a couple of weeks even months and then all of a sudden things start to settle again and you kind of fall back into the same trap of you know we're just going about the life you are living because things are okay and I sort of had that over the course of a couple of years. It was like every year there was another health crisis and another reason to be even more grateful for the present moment, remembering that tomorrow is not promised or all of these lessons and things that were told and taught by so many people who have lived those experiences. And, you know, I remember one of them being so significant. I had this, it, it's weird, a lot of people don't like hospitals. I love hospitals because I think I've had such amazing experiences with the staff within them and and the people within them. And I remember being around 23, 24. And actually, I was probably more like 22 at the time. And I was sitting in hospital for two weeks. I had quite a severe lung infection. And there was this man that I met in the hallway. His name was Ernie. And he was probably in his 60s. And my mum had actually sold Ernie a car before. And, you know, I'd bumped into the hallway, um, into him in the hallway with my mum. And she'd introduced me. And he was staying in the room next to me. And his room was full of a bunch of old gents and, you know, so there was never a moment of quiet and peace. And I had a private room because of my CF. And I remember just saying to Ernie, mate, if you ever want to come around for a yarn, come around for a yarn. And every day at two o'clock, the tea and biscuit cart would come around and I'd get my, my black tea and a couple of bickies. And I know Ernie would be next. And as soon as he got his, he'd walk into my room and we'd share a cup of tea together and have a chat. And Ernie was unfortunately terminally ill. And he wasn't going to make it. But I remember sitting there with Ernie and being really aware of that, but having these conversations every day and none of it was about materialism. None of it was about um, regretting the things he did. It was all about regretting the things he didn't have an opportunity to do, the mm -hmm. moments in his life that he remembered because they were rich with incredible people, um, with incredible experience and taking pride in, in the things that he really loved in life. And that lesson and, and those conversations and those cup of teas definitely cemented within my brain as, as quasi, quite a positive experience because I remember standing at his funeral and thinking far out everything that we spoke about are all of the things that I feel like I'm not living up to right now in my life. And, you know, it took another one or two experiences before for me I decided to make a rule change and that rule change has been the last two and a half years. And the fulfillment and the happiness I've gained from living those lessons has been the most incredible journey and something I'm, I'm just so excited for what they'll continue to build in the direction of my life for these years to come. But I, I feel like as, as humans, we always regret the things that we don't do and the decisions yes. we don't make for ourselves, but also for the betterment of the people around us. For you, what, what was sort of the flip of the switch like you know, when did you decide to really put this into action and put this into practice? Was it leaving that job and being given the opportunity to dive into the podcast space? Well, it was It was definitely that job. That was when I was, what I mentioned before about that, when I had the flu and then I came home and I was like, oh God, this is just not 
for me. And then uh, when I was given the job in the podcasting space, I, which was at the same radio station, which I still work at, uh, I realized that, you know, like I said, I was being shown the fruits of my labor of doing meditation, of manifestation, uh, of changing my thought patterns, of being very careful about the words I was speaking. And when I was shown that, I mean, when you're shown feedback straight away, then you then want to go and keep doing it and keep doing it. It's like when you start doing manifestation, you see your manifestation start occurring. You're like, oh my God, this works. And you keep wanting to do it because you want to create good things in your life. And I think from then it just became a way of life and I don't know anything else now. And like anything, the more that you start doing something, the more that it kind of becomes embedded in you and who you are as a person. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I still like talking to my girlfriends about the more mundane things that are in news.com or daily mail here and there, but they definitely don't make up a huge percentage of my conversations with people. And I think, you know, when you go into this realm, you naturally, when you change as a person, you end up attracting those different types of people who are more like you into your life, as you do if you're a low vibrational person, you'll start attracting that stuff into your life as well. And so I've been very blessed to have some amazing friends, to meet great people through this work and have these fabulous conversations. And that really is what drives me to keep going and keep bettering myself and keep helping others. That, that's a really interesting point because I, I feel very blessed that all of them, like I've been very close with a lot of my mates for a long time. And there's plenty of mates I've made in the last two years who I've met through different experiences. A lot of those um, mates who I met through running Running's been a big part of my life for the last two years, but I've, I've got this really amazing friendship with so many of them where we can, we can still be banterful and we can still have a, a great laugh and, and talk about all the things we've always talked about. But I feel like being open and being able to have really honest, vulnerable conversations with all of those mates has led to, I guess, all of us challenging in a healthy way and encouraging each other to be more open to growth all the time. I'm really interested as to what you said there about this evolving nature of who we all become as human beings and what we're trying to become. Learning all of these things theoretically and then applying them to your life and practice. Were you ever challenged by the people in your life who felt like maybe you were changing? You know, because change can be associated so negatively, but it's a great thing if you're evolving in the right direction. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, if none of us were changing, then that would be, I mean, life to me, the whole idea of life is coming here to learn and, you know, better ourselves and all that kind of stuff. So I think if you're always staying stagnant as a person, you would just not be growing and then life could seem quite mundane. But yeah, I think definitely when you change as a person, you might let go of a few people or move further away from people that maybe aren't on the same path as you or even if they're not on the same path they might not appreciate who you're becoming and that's absolutely okay because I said you'll start attracting the right people into your life as well that people that are uh, interested in what you're doing or interesting interested in the kinds of conversations that you want to have and that opens you up to be a richer person anyway so I mean most of the friends I have are friends that I've had for many years but then at the same time I have made some beautiful new friends as well who I absolutely adore and really as we grow older I feel that like your group of friends becomes smaller and smaller anyway because you don't have as much time and it's better to put a lot of time into or as much time as you can into a smaller group where it's rich and it's 
you know, you're having these one-on-one conversations about life that have so much meaning in them, then, you know, having a lot of friends, but really not spending much quality time with any of them or having these really beautiful in-depth discussions with them. So, yeah, I think, you know, when you change, you you find your people. It's natural. Definitely. And, you know, one thing I hear a lot of people, especially on podcasts say, and I'm always challenged by this idea is, that the more people you meet, the more friends you have, the more you realize you can only manage so many great friendships. Is that something that you've had to be wary of? Because you have met some incredible people and you can you can genuinely hear when you interview someone the way that those connections become more than just a guest on your podcast. They end up becoming a friend and I've been able to have that firsthand experience too with so many of the incredible people I chat to. But sometimes you think far out, I've got such a network of people, it can be hard to manage all of those relationships. Do you tend to focus on a few or do you try to divide your time between everyone in your network now? Well, to be honest with you, I have three best friends who I've known for one for 15 years, one for about, I don't know, 20, the other one for say 10 years, I think. And they're my three closest friends and I adore them. And then I have a circle outside of that who um, I also really adore. Uh, And they're the closest people in my life. I mean, people I meet on the podcast, um, you know, I really like, but some will become my friends, some not. But to me, the ones that those people that I just spoke about, they're like my closest friends and the ones I put time into and the ones that I'm fulfilled by and other people that come along um, are great also, but yeah, it'll, I mean, like I said, we're a very busy person like you are. So you only have time to be able to give your time to that many people. And so, yeah, I, I, I have a great wide network of people, but I don't give myself to a lot of people, if that makes sense, because I also am a very private person to some degree. And, you know, I share with the people that are close to me. Uh, and I've always quite enjoyed just having that. I love the nature of podcasts, you know, ultimately, like you just said there, you know, people are sharing their story with you and you get, get quite an intimate look on people and the lives they lived and their journeys. What are your thoughts on, you know, some of the guests that you've had, you've had such big scale guests, people who are, you know, incredible storytellers have lived those experiences, people who are quite, um, experienced in the theory, um, of these things that we're learning and teaching along the way. What have been some of the podcast episodes that have stuck out to you the most? And maybe it's a, a good little suggestion for anyone listening to go ahead and check out those episodes, but more particularly from a selfish standpoint, like what's been the most amazing things for you to learn or the most amazing guests to connect with? I think that, you know, I had a guy on recently, his name was Ephraim Finch and he's never been on a podcast before. He's 78 and he was the head of the Jewish morgue, which is called the Hebrew Kadisha in Melbourne. Anyway, he was unbelievable and he basically, his story was all about service and he was telling stories that were deeply sad about the dead bodies that he would look after and clean and make sure that they were ready to be buried and then the families that were grieving that was such a big part of his life from there on after. But his stories were full of so much love and they were sprinkled with so much wisdom and I remember thinking to myself, I just it's just incredible to see someone so selfless who doesn't even have a social media platform at all is not getting that kind of feedback that a lot of people get now when they're authors and they're this like he has none of that 
and really seeing someone who embodied exactly what I feel like a life of greatness would be. And uh, his, his interview stayed in my, well, touched me in such a way that I don't think I've ever stopped thinking about it and him. And then there are other people that, you know, just have these phenomenal stories and, and they're not even really thought leaders, they're entertainers. I had Kate Langbrook on a couple of times, but the first interview Kate and I did, she really opened up about how she was uh, born into a Jehovah's Witness family and how that was quite challenging. And then she spoke about how her son, who was completely well now, battled leukemia for four years or three and a half years or something. And um, they thought he was going to die at one stage. And it was just the story was heart-wrenching, but again, full of so much beauty, the amount of people that helped her along her journey. And and I remember when, because we did it face-to-face, when she le- left the studio, I just felt like, my God, I am so blessed to be able to tell these stories of these amazing people and and it's, again, a story that I'll never forget. And then, you you know, you have the amazing thought leaders uh, whose work has, you know, been a big part of my life. I think of someone like Joe Dispenza, who I've had on a couple of times, who, you know, I really appreciate his work and, and all of the research that he has done. Dr. Bruce Lipton is exactly the same. His, his work is about epigenetics and quantum physics is unbelievably powerful and interesting. Caroline Mace, she's a medical intuitive, talks a lot about the power of prayer and I think her work is phenomenal. There are just so many people from all walks of life where, you know, their stories have just really hit home and I just think they're incredible people and honoured to be able to tell their stories. What makes a podcast guest stand out to you? Because, you know, you spoke of Mr Finch there and him being a recent one and, you know, not having social media and not being in this world, you know, someone that you're probably not going to come across in, in everyday life, you know, how do you connect with these people and how do you choose who's the right person for you to sit down and chat with? Yeah, that's a great question. So 20 years ago, I heard a talk that Ephraim did and I didn't actually even remember the contents of the conversation, but I remember I really liked it and I went to this place by myself to listen to this guy speak because 20 years ago, what we're talking about now was not as popular as what it is now and I remembered him and then it obviously lay dormant and then when I started the podcast I didn't think of him and then it was a couple of months ago where I thought oh I was thinking of what new guests I should get and I always like to do a mix and I thought maybe I should contact that guy that used to maybe still works at the Hevra Kadisha and then I spoke to a friend who was like I'm friends with his daughter it's a small community and that was easily we put us in touch and that worked out perfectly but the way that I choose my guests and I think the success of the podcast has always been is the diversity so I don't just speak to people in the wellness space I don't just speak to people about self-improvement I've had a lot of my friends who are comedians on like Ed Cavalier and um, Kate Langbrook and Husey Uh, they've all been on the podcast as well as Tony Martin it's basically people whose stories I admire and or whose work I think is is really great. And I think having that mixture, my audience gets something different when they're listening. Like we don't just talk about health or we don't just talk about business. It's always a mixture of all different people that, as, as the podcast states, I believe have led a life of greatness. And they don't have to be spiritual. They don't have to do Daniel Ricardo. I mean, he's an amazing Formula One racing driver. You know, it's just incredible stories from great people basically and I think that has has served me well 
I love that. And, you know, that's probably similar to what I try to do because I feel like from a selfish standpoint, I, I love the diversity, but I know my guests would too. Yeah. Because chatting to different people gives you different perspectives on life. And, and I feel like it's, it's interesting to hear that a lot of the principles, and I'm sure you can attest to this, a lot of the principles are quite similar, but there's different ways of applying them and looking at mm. them and, and bringing them into your life. And I found that you don't always relate to somebody's way, but you will quite often find the way that someone else has applied something to their life that works really well for you. And Absolutely. it's quite interesting. I had the other day, I put out like a bit of an anonymous um, anonymous feedback opportunity for some people who listen to the podcast to maybe feel like they could be really safe in giving me some critical feedback on what they'd like to see or the way that they'd like it to improve. Because I find that when I ask for feedback, people are usually so lovely that <laughs> they just tell you what you want to hear. And so I yeah. thought I'd, I'd love to get some feedback off people. And, and a piece of feedback I got from um, two people actually, it was sort of the same sort of thing they'd asked is they said, do you often agree with everyone who comes on the show? Because it, it never really feels like you push back at someone on the way that they do things. And I found that really interesting and I thought about that and I thought, well, you know, I definitely push back at someone who I don't morally or ethically yeah, agree with. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's to sit there and tell someone that you disagree with the way that they've applied mindfulness to their life or the way that they like to get the most happiness out of this situation or the way that they structure their life, I almost feel like feels wrong mm, because we are all I agree so with different. That. I, I totally agree with that. I think, and I have actually, no one's ever said that to me about agreeing with people, but I've thought about the idea kind of in a sense of that in my own podcast. And I thought, you know, if you... When you and I, I mean, I've done a political podcast before, but we're not sitting as politicians, as journos, uh, trying to challenge someone or slip them up, right? Mm. So I think that when on my podcast I invite people on, it's about them coming into a safe space. And being in a safe space, then of course I'm going to ask them questions. And some of the questions might be more challenging than others. But I don't want to do it in a way that ever feels disrespectful because I would hate to come on someone's podcast and they do that to me. But not only that, I'm, I've created this space for a beautiful conversation and for people to open up and tell me stories that sometimes can be confronting or hard for them to do. And I'm going to make sure that they feel as comfortable as possible. And yeah, like you, maybe some people come on and talk about things that I'm not into or anything like that. And yes, if morally I thought it was completely incorrect, sure. But at the same time, I don't think I would have anyone on that was completely morally or unethically different to me anyway. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't choose someone like that. So yeah, I just think it's a beautiful, loving space that I'm putting people in and I'm protective of that. And I want to make the person feel as comfortable as possible. Yeah, it's, and it, it is a challenge. I feel like it's something I'm, you know, I'm 26 now. I feel like it's something I'm getting better at with life experiences. I think because my experience was so intense growing up and my idea of what was important in life was really, um, I guess it was ingrained in me off the back of living with a chronic illness. And whilst it's been, for me, like my life has been very unique in the way that it's taught me things and it's taught me my values and the way that I want to live, I feel as though it probably made me a little bit stubborn and arrogant on the way that some other people lived. And I found myself quite often confused and a little bit frustrated by the way that people didn't respect their health um, or the way that they 
almost in some cases I felt as though they were purposely throwing their life away. It, it made me frustrated and confused as a young man because I thought, far out, how do you not appreciate that and how are you not grateful for how lucky you are to be mm. healthy? And then as I started speaking to more people and hearing people's stories, I started to learn and understand that, well, actually all of our lived experiences are different and someone's trauma can lead them down this path or lead them into a route of life that is completely not understandable for me because I've not lived that. And it's funny, I feel like the challenge as we get older is to be more open to the fact that we're all different. We all learn and, and discover who we are in different ways and we all eventually hopefully find a path that leads to, as you would say, a life of greatness. But it doesn't always look the same. Yes. You know, and, and I think, you know, even leaving back to a, an, an experience sort of early at the start of the year, I was invited to meet the now former Prime Minister, um, Scott Morrison in Sydney. And we were chatting about a, a major health development for people with cystic fibrosis and sort of my work in the space and you know it was interesting to gauge people's thoughts on that like a lot of people were quite aggressive in their oh my god I can't believe you're meeting with this bloke and some people were understanding but I was like well I'm not actually me I'm not actually saying that I agree with everything politically but I feel like if we can't have a conversation on trying to improve outcomes for people and if we can't respect someone else in a conversation and a meeting do we get anywhere in life? No, I think, well, that's it. I think you have to be respectful of people. And I mean, people don't like politicians. That's just the number one thing. And you can understand because they're having a big say on the way that they live their life and, and different things. So there's a lot of ethical reasons behind that. But at the same time, you know, I think that if someone's been respectful to you and, uh, you, you know, you've got to give them a chance. I mean, it's hard knowing that obviously every situation is different and every individual we're talking about is different. But, you know, there's a, a line in A Course in Miracles that says, you know, you should see everyone kind of through like you've met them for the first time. And I think that that's really powerful because you just you, – it's better to go in with no judgment and, and fresh pair of eyes and ears and be open to what people have to say. And I think that's the beauty of interviewing is that when you interview someone, to do it in a way that is non-judgmental allows them to, again, be in that safe space that we were talking about and then you get really the beauty of their story and the things that they have to share, which is important. Yeah, you know, it's something that I heard from a very good mate of mine recently and then it was echoed by my good mate Fooney, um, Ty, who everyone on the podcast will know, he's often behind the camera or floating about the space somewhere. Um, but then also echoed by the amazing Harry Garside, Olympic boxer and pro boxer. And they were both saying something similar, which I, I really thought about and it actually had a bit of a profound impact on the way that I'm approaching everything now. And it was at some point in your life, everything you know has been almost like, especially from a young kid, imprinted in who you are by your parents' beliefs, the beliefs of your teachers, the people around you, because you're so impressionable. But at some point in time, you take the power of your education, your understanding, your beliefs into your own hands and then it's up for you to decide what you believe on certain topics and you should always be open to that being challenged and changed. And my mate Fooney was saying that at a certain point in time, I almost decided that everything I've ever believed and thought I understood, I don't anymore and I'm willing yeah. to learn again. And and that's quite interesting and, and taking that approach over the course of the last few weeks has I've tried to become very humble and very um, 
you know, not that I wasn't before, but I guess tried to be very humble and very open to learning things again and changing things and challenging my routines and, and my approaches to life so that I can find out exactly what the perfect and, and great life looks like for me. Yeah. Have you had any guests or any uh, mentors that have come into your life over the course of this journey that have really challenged and changed the way that you thought about or, or lived in certain areas? I think one thing on that is that we're always evolving. So I think, like I said, a life of greatness will always change because we're evolving in a certain way and, and that evolution changes with age and experience and the wisdom that that we're given or just learn from our experiences. And I think that, yeah, I've had, I mean, I don't, I don't really have a mentor now. I'd rather mentor other people, but I've had mentors in my life that have been more so teachers to me more than challenging me they've they've given me wisdom that I've then be able to use in my own life but I'm constantly reading um, I'm constantly speaking to people and doing my own research into different areas of self-improvement and you know just becoming a better person which constantly challenge me and make me think in different ways and I think that yeah the more that we can learn, the more powerful we become and that we shouldn't always feel that we need to be right either. Like to, to be in a situation and not need to have to always be heard and, and know that no one, not everyone needs to think the same way as us because they're not. That's, uh, as you mentioned, everyone's having their own experience. And when our ego stops and moves to the side, we realize that it's fine for you to think a certain thing and for me to think a certain thing because that's our experience and I don't need to convince you for it for it to be any different and I think that's a really important thing that we should all take into our lives that that our journey is our journey and um, what we make of it is up to us yeah I love that you say it so well hey I'd love to dive into there's five questions that I ask every guest on every show and I always say rapid fire, but I kind of like it when you kind of push the boundaries of that and, you know, dive into it a little bit more because you've got value to give. And this part of the podcast serves as like a beautiful conclusion to the episode that was, but I also release it separately as like a trailer for anyone who's maybe a little bit more time poor and it feels like they want to get a bit of more of an idea of who you are before they dive into the full episode. So those five questions are the same for everyone. Um, and I finished with, I think, the most profound one. The first being, if you could recommend only one book or one podcast to someone listening, what would that be? Wow. Uh, I, the book would be Deepak, Chopra, Deepak Chopra's Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. I think I listened to that book because I, I listen to all my books on Audible. I think I listened to that once a year and it's, it doesn't take long. It's not a big book. And it really gives lays out the principles for success in your life. And I think that it's so wisdom-filled. So I highly recommend that book. And then as far as a podcast episode, I would say listen to that Ephraim Finch episode on a life of greatness. It It's just the most moving episode I think I've ever done. It's full of so much wisdom. And I think for anyone to hear his story will enrich their life so much. So those would be my two favourite. Well, that's definitely going to be my afternoon listen. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll give you some feedback too. I can't Amazing. wait to, to hear that. Um, all good, of course. Um, the second would be, what's the one skill that you'd recommend mastering that significant, significantly improved your life? I think becoming consciously aware, just consciously aware of your thoughts, your words. I think the first real 
bit into becoming spiritual and leading the greatest life is to become conscious because once we're conscious it opens us up to a world of so many possibilities when you live life unconsciously that's when life happens to you not for you so living a conscious life I think just makes anyone a better person and the more that I can do that and just be conscious like I said of everything that I do the more that I will choose the right thing to do and the right words to say and the better way to behave as a person. You know, I really want to dive into that a little bit there and show sure. my rapid fire rule because you said something there about choosing your words wisely. And I've often thought about this and actually a podcast guest of yours who I'm a big fan of, Mo Gordett, made me really aware of this recently. I was listening to his podcast on um, Stephen Bartlett's channel, Diary of a CEO, and I listened to both of the episodes he was on and I noticed how carefully, it was this particular morning, I just noticed how carefully he chose his words and how one or two times he corrected his choice of words to be more intentional. And I was thinking, there's something about that that felt very humble in the sense that he wasn't trying to sound smart or he wasn't trying to sound profound, but he understood that the power of language on ourselves individually, you know, the words we speak into existence in our own lives and that form part of our beliefs in our brain, but also the way that those words have impact on others Mm. is more profound than we think and I've tried to be more aware of that over the course of the last few weeks and months of my life like the things that I say and I can definitely be a I can be a little bit guilty of speaking incredibly kindly and empathetically to the people in my life but being far less kind and empathetic to myself Mm. and you know be more I guess just be more careful with my words have you found that's changed and, and made huge change and impact in your life personally? Oh, absolutely. I think the way that I speak to my children, you know, I'm very careful sometimes of how I talk to them and what we talk about. And, you know, you slip up, of course, you're human. Everyone does. But I'm very conscious of that. I was having a conversation with someone the other day that I think your listeners and yourself might feel might be really interested in. And it, it talks about the power of words when something happens in your life that might be traumatic so going back to kind of what we previously spoke about it might be an instance it might be a diagnosis but something that wasn't that that was full-on the more we speak about it if we still have an emotional attachment to it the more that we're creating those negative feelings in us every day so for instance i'll take a, a story that i heard about a lady who this actually comes from Joe Dispenza's book, Becoming Supernatural. He speaks about a lady who basically one day her husband just jumped off a building and it was really traumatic, you know, because that happened and she had no idea he was even having mental health issues or anything and left her with the three kids and she was beside herself. And consequently from that, she got a lot of health issues and a couple of months would pass and she would tell people the story of what happened. The brain does not know the difference between something that happened yesterday or something that happened three years ago. So the more she kept telling the story, the more she was recreating those horrible feelings that she had the moment that she was called to find out that this man had, her husband had died. And I've seen this in other people as well, that they say have 
uh, I don't know, something negative that happens to them and they're constantly talking about it and constantly talking about it when they still have that emotional connection to it means that they're bringing up these negative thoughts and feelings and they're living in that fight or flight situation, which is obviously they're not good for your health. The more that you stop speaking about it, the more you do not put yourself in the situation where your mind is thinking that this thing happened straight away. And yes, they may get to a point where hopefully there is no emotional attachment to that situation anymore or that encounter that happened or the diagnosis. And that's when it becomes wisdom. When there's no emotional attachment to that thing is when it becomes wisdom. But as we were saying, the power of words is so unbelievably strong And I think that we should be very cautious on not only how we use them when we speak to other people, but how we also use them on ourselves because they can be really effective and really non-effective. If we're always talking about what was me and how was your day? Oh, and then we're talking about the negative things. Well, that's when we're going to always focus on that. But when Mm. we put the negative things to the side and just speak about the positive things, that's when we start being in that mind frame of positivity and happiness and joy and love. So I think... You know, you look at the word om and, uh, and, and it has such a, a, a huge vibration and it's the, they do that in yoga and uh, meditation because it brings on this, this current of, of godly-like, you know, substance to it. So the ancient people from Vedic wisdom and all these other places have known for a long time about the power of words and the vibration that they put into the world. So we need to think about that when we say anything in our life and especially when we're talking to others and also talking about ourselves to others far out that was bloody so spot on and it i think i've heard it from joe Dispenza before on a podcast but what you said there about the the fact that the brain can't recognize if still emotionally detached the trauma of past and trauma of present you know we we often forget that don't we and Mm. that's probably why when we continue to live these experiences i think Probably that's most presently aware you hear of when people have maybe had like a marriage breakup or a relationship breakdown and they just want to share their story to get their side across to friends or family, but then they have to keep living through yeah. that experience. And you truly, you know, it takes so so long to heal and it takes incredible self-awareness to heal that I think what you said there is incredibly powerful. And, and I think also for the people listening, you know, or, or watching on, speaking about the the careful choice of words also doesn't mean that you can't be authentic you know I love that the way you share story and you speak is so authentic Sarah and you have you know like you you don't sound alike anyone or you don't explain things alike anyone else that I've actually sat down with before there's there's a real pure 100% of who you are as a human being in that storytelling and the way that you share but you know carefully choosing those words can be something done authentically so I love that absolutely thank you Oh, pleasure. Um, number three, the third question. This could also open a can of worms. Um, the, the challenge that you face that's required the most growth to overcome. That's a great question. I think, I think for me, it's, you know, something I'm still learning and I talk quite a bit about with people on the podcast is, is patience. So, it's not like a huge challenge in the sense that it's a health scare or something like that, but it's a challenge in the sense that I feel that, you know, I need to work more on appreciating the journey rather than the outcome. And I think when you're in a field like you and I are in and you're always striving, or I know I am, you know, to do better and 
um, get this and get that. And that when you see your career flourishing, you know, you want to be able to just do the most that you can to help so many more people that it can get to a stage where you're not being as present as maybe you wanted to be and being in that moment. And again, you know, I mentioned I have children and, and giving them the time and the presence that they need, which is important coming from a mother when you're raising kids. I think to me, that's just been a struggle that I haven't yet mastered. I'm a completely aware of it, but I haven't yet mastered and something that I feel um, maybe in life, a lot of us need to do. And, and really, like it goes back to what we were saying, anything can change in an instant. So we need to make the most out of every day and be present in everything that we do or try to be at least be consciously aware of that and then try to be as present as we can and really, you know, put as much as we can into every situation that we're in and rather not wishing the time away. You know, you're, you sometimes, you don't have kids, but when you have young kids, people say, don't wish the time away because they're only young for a short period of time. And then sometimes when you have a baby, as amazing it is, it can be quite hard because, you know, babies sometimes don't sleep at night. And so, you know, you, you see yourself wishing away, oh, I can't wait till they're three months because then they'll get over this. And then when they're six months, they'll be able to do this and so forth. And I think that, that it, people say it for a reason because life is precious and those years are precious. All the years of our life are precious. And I think that's something that um, I'm striving to still achieve and something I haven't learned yet and something I'm faced with every day and uh, I can definitely work at it. Yeah, they say patience is a virtue, but bloody hell, it's a challenge, isn't it? And yes. I completely relate to what you're saying about, you know, being so driven and wanting to su succeed. And I was sitting here the other night at home watching David Letterman's series on Netflix, My Next Guest. I was watching him interview Kevin Durant and, you know, they're sitting in his home and the Brooklyn Bridge is behind him. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I, you know, I can't wait until the day that this has reached that point for me where I can connect with you know, some of the biggest sporting stars in the world and hear their stories on that major stage and, you know, have this show that's on Netflix and all of that. And then you think, well, actually the journey at the moment is bloody incredible and that's the exciting thing about the quest of life, right, is enjoying every moment presently for what it is. But it is such a challenge because we're, you know, in the world of social media and in the world of TV on demand and, you know, we're, we're constantly given examples to compare ourselves to. And as I say, comparison is the thief of joy. So I feel mm. like it's a challenge that is definitely not um, it's definitely not unique to you and I. It's definitely something I think everyone <laughs> faces in their own unique way. I think so. And I think social media has enhanced that as well, seeing people putting out what they're doing and you perceiving them in a certain way, even though you have no idea what their life is like because you're only seeing the positive because most people don't put the negative on those things. And um, you create stories in your own mind that don't even exist. So I think if we just focus on ourselves and what we're doing and enjoy that present moment, then that is, as we said, where the real joy will come. You know, I heard someone the other day, it was actually on the diary of a CEO and he was talking about how quite often when we compare ourselves to others, and I thought it was a really good point, he said, when we compare ourselves to others, we go, far out, I wish I had Elon Musk's success and, you know, his status and his business prowess. But he's like, but, you know, comparison or, or wanting to be like someone it's not like this perfect pick your character situation where you get to take Elon Musk's success and couple it with you know the looks of Brad Pitt and then yeah. piece it together yeah. with the mindfulness of Jay Shetty it's not quite how it works you know if you want that you get all the problems and the challenges that come with them too and we've all bloody got them so that's um, very true that's very true
Such a good point. Um, the fourth question is, what's a you know a daily ritual or routine that's formed a part of your morning or, or your night time that sets your life up for success? I think I often get asked this question, and I think for me, um, you know, prayer has been a big part of my life, and it's not that I'm praying to anyone in particular, but it's just a nice thing that I like to do. So I'd, I'll say the prayer of St. Francis in the morning, usually sometimes when I'm in bed, um, in my head, and then I'll go and I definitely do meditation and I've done meditation for a very long time and it's really changed my life and actually just released three new meditations on my website, one for the morning and one for sleep for the night time and one for manifestation because that's always been my favorite. So I'll go into meditation every morning and make sure that I do that and then I'll exercise a couple of times a week and I make sure that I always eat, you know, I eat very well. I mean, I, you know, also drink alcohol and things like that, but not a lot. Um, I'm very aware that food is medicine and I make sure that I eat um, really nicely prepared meats and um, protein and make sure that it's all organic and I make sure that I eat good quality fruit and vegetables because, again, I know that uh, that our bodies are a temple and, I'm not restrictive in the sense of uh, that I'll only eat certain things or um, I'm not vegan or anything like that. But at the same time, I also appreciate appreciate good quality food and I know what that does, not only for the animals, but also for us as humans. So those are the morning kind of rituals that I have and um, routines that I've done for many years that have served me really well. I love that. Sounds like a beautiful balance of things there. And look, the last question, the, the closing piece of the podcast, which is my favorite, I feel like it's the most profound and I think it's a beautiful way to conclude every episode is if you could share one message with the world and encourage them to act on it, what would that message be? I think if we just realized that, you know, we formed a life where we weren't as judgmental of other people as sometimes we are, I think that is really important. And then when doing that, realize that we're all here as, you know, the famous quote from Ramdas is to walk each other home. And I think it goes back to that idea of service, that we do the best that we can in the world and help others on their journey, because not only will it enrich our lives, but then it will enrich the lives of other people. And when you're doing that, there is so much joy and love that comes from being like that, that we then, you know, live our own life of greatness. And I feel like we've, we've, done what we needed to in this lifetime and lived a a really wonderful a wonderful existence I absolutely love that Sarah Grinberg you're an absolute pleasure to sit down and have a conversation with you are as I said at the start someone who is very inspiring for the likes of myself in in this industry but also in this world as a human being and that's the one thing I love you know I say it to a my guests all the time, you know, it's, it's a real privilege to sit across from someone and appreciate them for their work and, and what they put out into the world, but to connect as two human beings and then appreciate them for, for who they are as a human and, and for their heart is a real privilege. So thank you so much for sharing your time with me. I'm going to make sure that absolutely everywhere that the amazing people who listen to and watch this show can find you is within the show notes. And I will be encouraging everyone to go ahead and listen to A Life of Greatness as well as diving into plenty of those episodes myself. Thank you so much. And it's been an absolute pleasure to be on your podcast and, um, and have this conversation with you today. Thank you so much. Take care, everyone.